With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What will it take for your 401k to have a great year? Maybe not as good as last year. I was going to say reboot last year, maybe? Yeah, well, you can always hope for that. I'm Nathan Beckrack, along with Amy Wagner. Last year, oh, what a year it was for stocks. Many of you probably think you are a genius. I would simply say luck. It's better to be lucky than good. But in this case, last year, stocks had both luck and goodness surrounded by them. Uh, mutual funds could, you know, it, no matter how you slice it, 25, 30, 30 some percent, it was one whale of a year. It was a great year. You know, I mean, even I checked my 401k balance recently, and I talk about these things, and I'm research to them on a daily basis and was like gosh it really was a good year when you see the numbers right in front of you in black and white it is really exciting we'd love to say expect the same more the same for 2020 but that's not necessarily what we see on the horizon several things playing into the fact that this may not be as banner of a year for the stock market yeah and uh, the geniuses as you know these will be the analysts and the experts in new york and other places who kind of take a look and uh, using all of their education say ah Here's what's going to happen this year. They expect, economists and analysts expect, that earnings will decline by 2%. Not the value of the stocks, but that if last year you made a gazillion dollars, you're going to only make 98% of of a gazillion dollars this year. That's the 2% decline. So companies will still be doing fine. They will be making money, but their profits will be declining on average by about 2% this year from last year. And I would simply say that comes with a really big if, as in if nothing else happens in trade, then maybe that's true. Well, and you also have to think about analysts predicting. It always seems like right before earnings come out, the analysts predicting that earnings are going to be down, right? And then earnings actually come out and surprise, surprise, they're maybe a little better than we had anticipated. So whether we're actually going to go backwards or not remains to be seen. But you know, the interesting thing is when we were talking about 2019, what happened with the economy is corporations were not spending as much. No, they weren't. You were. The average consumer, you felt pretty good <laughs> you about- looking at me? Yeah. Nathan, you were, and Nathan, you were, and Nathan, you were, and apparently everyone else was as well, because we were truly kind of carrying the economy on our backs last mm-hmm. year when it came to you know, consumer sentiment and, and how optimistic we were about the economy. Yeah. So here's how we could likely set up. Uh, the economists and the smart guys and the men and women have said, oh, there's going to be a 2% decline. If I'm running a business in America, it's sort of like when I would ask my son what kind of grades was he going to get, he would say, I don't know, maybe B minuses, B pluses. He already knew his GPA was such that he was going to beat that. So he went, Totally. Ah. I did that all the time with yeah. my parents when right. I was grow- growing up. And then your dad would go, oh, little Amy. you've done Lower s- the bar. Yeah, right. So a bit lowering <laughs> the bar. That could be the case here. However, it could also be that there is a recognition that certain issues, regardless of phase one of the tariff or the trade agreement that we have with China, it could be 
the trade actually starts to have a bigger impact than it has had to date. Because so far, it's been pretty easy to ignore. Oh, yeah, people are paying more, but I guess they can afford to pay more. And so, you know, no big deal so far with trade. I think with most of us, unless we see, like, in red letters on that receipt, here's how much more you spent today because of the trade war. We we just kind of absorb it. We don't even really think about it. And uh, so I thought it was interesting last week when there was a number of local businesses that sat down together uh, and they called this uh, president. They they sat down and talked about the impact that the trade war was having locally, put it in numbers, shared stories. And it was incredibly eye opening because it's really easy to gloss over, you know, oh, we talk about this, but I'm not really feeling it in, in my you know pocketbook at this point. But at this point, uh, they kind of put it in numbers. So farming, uh, this was someone who said, you know what? We need some certainty because trade is like water, right? It flows. And if it's not going to flow from us in Ohio, it's going to flow from somewhere else. We've and talked- if I can't get my soybeans from the United States, Absolutely. I'll go get them from somebody else. And here's the problem. And we've talked about this before, but China knows they're going to get soybeans from somewhere. So if it's not coming from Ohio, then we're replaced. And then even after the trade war is over in a distant memory, also, is that is that farmer in Ohio here who has the soybean fields who's no longer being able to trade and sell with China? And why should we think for a moment that China, when they say, oh, yeah, we'll buy lots and lots of that, and then six months or a year from now, oh, uh, yeah, I guess I forgot to buy some of that from you, didn't I, America? Oh, well, uh, sorry for your bad luck. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Backrack along with Amy Wagner as we... Take a look at some of the data coming in. What does it mean for your 401k? Could it, what it could mean for the kind of year you could have with your 401k uh, and how you, will your investments fare? And uh, more, most particularly, any impacts here locally? Think about trade for a moment. Here's some stats for you. 1.4 million Ohio jobs are in response uh, or, support, or are supported by trade. All right, mm-hmm. 1.4 million of them. And yet this year, Ohio businesses, manufacturers, and farmers have faced $1.6 billion in import taxes and $767 million in retaliatory tariffs. And I saw an article over the weekend. I happen to know the individual. His name is Walter Spiegel. He's general counsel for Standard Textile, which may be, I don't know, the largest privately owned or maybe the largest textile company uh, yeah, they were part of the in group America that sat down, yeah. or the world. And Walter Spiegel, who's their attorney, said, look, be very clear about it. You, meaning you, the consumer, you are paying for this trade, and it is having an effect on people such as a standard textile. And it doesn't, you can't, and they make the towels and the sheets anytime you ever go to a Marriott, all right? No, it I all didn't comes, know that. Yeah, it all comes right out of a little old Cincinnati company right here. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, standard textile is like maybe one of our better, uh, I wouldn't say kept secrets because many people were aware of them, but they were a huge company. And when I got to tell you something, I know Walter, he's a nice guy. We should have him on the show sometime. He's not one for hyperbole, which is a fancy word for saying, you know. uh, Making a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. Thank you. Just as easy as can be. He was quoted in the Inquirer article. You can go read it. It was uh, uh, last Thursday or Friday. He said, hey, we pay for this. We is the you and me and Amy and everybody else. We all pay for this. Manufacturing, by the way. Think about this. It's estimated, uh, or should I say, we're, we're going to see about, uh, we saw 46,000 jobs this year in manufacturing, an increase. The year before, 2018, we saw in round numbers almost 250,000 jobs in manufacturing. Manufacturing in this country in a recession 
while it's only maybe 15, again, round numbers, maybe only 15% of the American economy at this point, it's been in a recession. If you are in the manufacturing world, you know how tough it has been. Not likely to get better. The only good news for investors is it's not that much of the American economy because we're so service-oriented. Well, and here's an example of manufacturing and how it's impacting just one local company, Evenflow, yep. uh, out of Miamisburg. And as a as a mom of two kids, uh, we you, had all the Evenflow stuff when they were babies. I'm with they you. make baby products, the car seats, and they said they have been hit especially hard by tariffs because it's impacted their ability to import uh, car seat parts from China. 400 factor... 400 worker factory here in Ohio, and it's saying, listen, I don't, we don't have the infrastructure in another country to make and import these parts. We only have one line, one supply chain in, and it's not working right now. No, and manufacturing is also facing another problem, which you can't resolve immediately. But if you'd like to, you know, take one for the team long term, go have a few more kids because it seems that we don't have enough people for the jobs that are out there. There are half a million U.S. factory jobs that are unfilled. Where do you think, if if you ran a manufacturing firm and you knew there was a half a million factory jobs were going unfilled, what do you think would you, you would do? I think you would say, you know what? We got to pack up and go someplace where we can find labor that will work for a price that we can pay and that we can also fill the jobs. As, w- as we've seen. Yep. And this Many will, companies. This, you cannot legislate this. This is just the, the ebb and flow of business. It will be fascinating to see how American business deals with the fact that they need a half a million jobs that they can't fill. It could be the robot next door, or it could be that your son or daughter is now programming all the robots that they can watch over when they're working over at the Amazon uh, distribution center in Hebron, Kentucky. That would be. Hmm. So have we gotten any closer on the trade war? Don't know. We've got, we're going through fa- uh, phase one signature signings this week. That's nice. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm guessing it's just that. It's a one small step for the trade war and maybe one small step so far uh, for economic mankind. Here's a simple money point. Your 401k is hoping that corporate profits improve. The trade war would be a big step forward, but don't hold your breath waiting for phase two to get resolved. The national collegiate championship is tonight with the uh, presumptive first round pick of the Bengals uh, showcasing. Oh, himself. I hope so. You better hope oh, so. Oh, I hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an economic problem being created uh, for not only LSU, but many of the opponents that they face this year. We'll talk about that just ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Backrack along with Amy Wagner. Is the end of retirement coming soon? Not your retirement, but just retirement as a concept? We'll talk about that just ahead at 643. Tonight, LSU takes on Clemson for the National College Football Championship. Both teams have faced some fairly unique supply and demand issues. Before we get into that, what's your call? Oh, gosh. Uh, You know what? I don't. I don't have a dog in this hunt because uh, at this point, I mean, I guess I'd like to see LSU just because they haven't won one in yeah. a while. And uh, so I think that would be fine, though, you know. Um, well, today I, is uh, Kevin Rue, our, our videographer here, his birthday, and he's a huge Clemson fan. So I think he's expecting that they shall deliver well, a win 
on a platter for his birthday. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, we'll see whether or not anybody has a defense that can uh, stop uh, Mr. Burrow, but that remains to be seen. However, it appears that LSU fans coming from deep in the bayou, uh, they have got a love of beer. And yes. I, and, I mean, this will be love, all capital letters. Well, I hope that they have enough beer in the stadium tonight because they could likely run out before the, even the end of the first quarter. Um, LSU fans managed to consume, this is in one October game, 55,000 beers. It was a stadium record. Only standing for Only a half sh- a beer a person, I guess, unless they, maybe the kids don't drink. Well, hopefully the kids don't drink. Mm. Um, but at the same time, that's, that record only stood until the next game when they sold 60,687 beers. Yes, and they do know how to enjoy their football, don't they? Local hotels don't know what to do when LSU fans come into town because they're, they're wiped out immediately of any alcohol that they have. Uh, they've been told buy double, and they still run out of double the amount. So, I mean, so, these fans, they apparently uh, cheer hard and party hard. So uh, so I guess when the going gets tough, the tough grab a beer? I guess so. Okay. Well, I mean, it hasn't even been a tough season. It's been a good fun season, and apparently that's a lot to celebrate. So let's talk about that's the supply and demand issue yeah. on LSU's front. For Clemson, the problem is, oh, too many championship games. Oh, they, games. Win, they win too much. Okay. Yeah. So when you've gone Take to the that, national Kevin. championship four out of the past five years, you have less and less people clamoring, uh, less and less people clamoring to go to that game because it's not a it's not a cheap ticket. Well, and let's face it, there's going to be a whole lot more LSU fans in all likelihood, and the get in price. And I guess the way they get in price is calculated is they take the uh, the uh, lowest ticket that you can just well, get one of these, and at least you'll get in the stadium. The get-in price, $927. So this could be on your bucket list, or if you decide you don't want to go, you could come up with another name that rhymes with bucket, and that might, you know, oh. it could be on uh-uh. that list uh-uh, as well. Oh, Tonight we're going to go over some of the dumbest things that we have heard people say about money. Other than buying too much beer at a national championship game yeah. or spending too much for tickets. Yeah, or and I should <laughs> say the dumbest thing, but some of the things that we've seen you do over time. That with, are easy to do. With your money, yeah, that we kind of scratch our heads and go, uh, really, you think that's uh, going to be all you need to do? Okay. And number one on the list is becoming a 401k millionaire, but that's it. Yeah, well, get the confetti out and hang the banner, and then you realize, actually, if it's a regular 401k, you don't even have a million dollars. Because when you go to access that money, when you need to spend it, when you need to take it out, Uncle Sam is going to say, wait, wait, wait. A yeah, million I, dollars. <laughs> I think I, I think I like a sniff of that. Uncle Sam or maybe gets a the big laugh, laugh. Absolutely. Yeah. So whatever tax bracket you're in, that's the amount Uncle Sam is going to get of that. So a million dollars and you twenty five percent. That means you've got seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that account. That's a huge chunk out of that that maybe you weren't even anticipating. So as you save and save and save, and we understand that for for many of us, the four hundred one k is the number one vehicle that we have for saving for retirement. And I think there's a lot of great things out about the 401k, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're using because you're not diversified when it comes to taxes. Yeah. All of that money will then be tax deferred. And when you need the money, you're going to have to pay taxes on all of it. Here's a little uh, simply money phrase that might help you as you take a look at your 401k. Consider this. You don't retire on a lump sum of money. You retire on the income stream. 
of a lump sum of money. And if you take too much out of that lump sum, eventually there will be nothing left. There will be no lump sum. There will be no stream. And so then you will be up a creek or up a stream without a paddle. You're listening to Simply Money as Amy and I discuss all of the different ways that you have told us advice on your own that we would respectfully beg to differ. Uh, Bullet item number two, taking on too much risk. Because you know better. Because last year the stock market was so good and because you couldn't do anything wrong. And so all the time we come across people who say, well, yeah, I know this is the advice, but I want 100% in on this stock or I, you know, because it just couldn't lose or whatever it is. And it's like, no, no, no. It doesn't matter if it's a good year for the market or a bad year for the market. There are just certain ways that you should invest, making sure that you are properly diversified so that if one company or one sector or whatever it is, doesn't go the way you planned it, you're still going to be okay. And there is another way that you can, you now, as you drive home, you're going, oh, ho, ha, 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 right. Amy, not me. I had a really good allocation. And so, as, as we always say here on Simply Money, asset allocation will take care of all of your issues, right? Okay. Try this one on for size. Let's say you started out the year 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Mm-hmm. It was one whale of a year for stocks, not a bad year for bonds. If now you look as you go into 2020, how much you now have in stocks? Oh, you might be 75 or 80% stocks and only 20% in bonds because, oh, you have now become a victim of your own success. Your stock position has grown substantially. And yet all of a sudden, because while you're sitting around admiring just how big your account is, you have failed to uh, take into account that now with 80% in stock, yeah, if the market does go south, and particularly if you're within three to five years of retirement, I can't tell you how many times I've seen as a retiree, all of a sudden what they loved, which was how wonderful their account was doing, they can't stand because they have inadvertently allowed the uh, the stock exchange to allocate for them, and now they're too heavily weighted in stocks. And you get whiplash, right, from watching that balance go, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely plummet. Here's another thing that we see. Uh, a dumb thing that we see a lot of smart people doing is uh, you're paying attention to everything else, but it's something you don't want to think about, your will. Yeah, I'm going to make a suggestion. Next time you meet somebody who says they're an estate planning attorney, here's a question to ask them, just to see whether or not you think you're, uh, your hosts here are full of beans or we know what we're talking about. Look at that lawyer and say, can I ask you, how often do you wind up going to a hospital and writing a will with somebody who is terminally ill? Right? Or who thinks if their operation doesn't go the way they hope the next day, that maybe they may not be around at the end of the next day. And you will be astounded at the stories you hear. And you don't want to be in that position. And you don't want your loved ones to be in that position. Think about how highly emotional it is. And then to be making smart, sound decisions about what you want your money to do after you're gone and who it should go to. That's just too much. So Put this on your to-do list now. I understand it's not a fun thing. No one wants to think about it. But once it's done, it's done. You revisit it every once in a while. You make sure that everything is updated, and you move on. 25% of the country has a will. So put another way, 75% of you, whether you say you don't like government intervention or not, and you believe in civil liberties and personal freedoms and personal responsibility, you you can gussy it up and call it whatever you want. And I don't care which political party you're part of, 75% of you are allowing the government to get control of your affairs. Why in God's green earth would you want to do that? Because there is a a will already established for you if you don't establish one. It's called dying intestate. 
which means dying in uh, a purgatory, I guess, because your money and will be uh, stuck and your possessions will be stuck. And the government gets to decide how yes. it's all divvied up. Right. Long after you have left this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Earth, believe me, you will still be talked about. So maybe not quite in the terms mm. you would have hoped. Here's the simple money part. Plenty of smart people make some silly money mistakes. Make sure that your investments are appropriately diversified and you have important financial conversations with your children as well. The top mistakes to avoid when you sell your home. I can't wait to hear this one personally. That's just ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. We all make mistakes, but you don't want to make one when it comes to trying to sell your house. So joining us tonight uh, on how not to make mistakes in that place, Michelle Sloan, broker and owner, realtor for Remax Time. She hosts the Sloan Sells Homes show on 55KRC. You can listen to that every Sunday at 4 p.m. Michelle, I'm sure you see this all the time, just mistakes that people tend to make over and over again. You want to sell your house, but... It's not like something, you know, you're a realtor. You see this all the time. We might do this once every five, ten years. So we're not regulars at this. Exactly. Well, the big thing, Amy, is really listening to your realtor. Because if you're working with a full-time agent who does this for a living, that's really the key is making sure that you're listening to your real estate agent to avoid some big mistakes. What are the biggest mistakes? I'm going to guess because I've seen this over and over again, your emotions. Emotions. Oh, my goodness. Right? That will get the best of all of us. You know, selling a home, it is a financial transaction, the largest financial transaction that you will probably ever make. So you have to take the emotion out of that equation. In order to do that, your real estate agent can certainly help you through that process and sort of keep the emotion out of it. So when I go into a home, and it's interesting because I was at my mom's home, and I said, and my mom is thinking about selling her home. And I said, Mom, you're going to have to get rid of um, the drapes because they are very, I mean, they're, they are making the home look older because of the style of the drapes. Uh-huh. And she said, I like those drapes. I'm like, oh, boy, you would be really difficult to work with <laughs> because, yes. you know, she doesn't want to change anything in order to appeal to the masses. And when you're selling your home, that's really what you're doing. It's not your style. I'm not personally beating you up on anything. The point is we're trying to neutralize your home in a way that it's going to appeal to the most buyers possible and get you the highest sales price. You're listening to Simply Money Tonight here on 55KRC as we talk to Michelle Sloan, uh, realtor for Remax Time and owner of it as well top mistakes we see when it comes to selling a home. We mentioned the fact that your emotions can get the best of you. And Michelle, I think this happens on a number of levels. First of all, you don't want to make changes to the home when it comes to staging it. But also, you know, your memories are made there. It's worth double what anyone, you know. So you get 
you get attached to a price that's probably too high, I think that happens a lot. It does. And the longer you stay at the price that's too high on your home, the more likely you're actually going to end up selling your home for less. And so how that works is, let's say we, you decide and we decide to list your home for $20,000 higher than maybe my recommended listing price. What that will mean is you're going to help sell other homes in your neighborhood and in your area because other homes will look like a bargain compared to yours. The other thing it's going to do is the longer your home sits on the market, the more a buyer may think there's something wrong with your property. So listing it too high has is really a double negative. It will take longer to sell, and in the end, you're going to come down and you're not going to be happy because I'm going to tell you, okay, so we listed the price high because ultimately it's your decision, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. It is your decision ultimately mm-hmm. what we list the home for. If you don't take my advice, I have to have you understand that at a certain point, if your home is not sold, I'm going to have to say, we need to lower that price now if you want to sell the home. So, you know, people just don't want to hear the reality of the market sets the price of your home. You don't sell the price, set the price of your home, which is really, really hard for a lot of people because you're right. There's so much emotion. You've put so much hard work into the home. You think it's worth more than everybody else's. But in the end, it's what the market will bear. Well, not only that, but once you get that price in mind, it's really easy to say, okay, that's what I'm taking and nothing less. But most buyers are not going to come in offering you 100% of your asking price. So there has to be some willingness to negotiate. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's, again, it's negotiating not only on the sales price, but you have to be flexible in maybe an occupancy date and a move-in date, and the personal property that a buyer might want in the home. Or, you know, it's just there's a lot of negotiation that goes into it. It's not all about price. So, again, you have to have some flexibility. And don't just say it's hard and fast. I'm selling my home as is. I'm not going to fix anything. I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that. If you're going to go in with that kind of attitude, it's going to make the process even more stressful. And Amy, as you know, you just bought a home. It's not an easy process. So you want to make sure that you're taking out as much emotion as possible. And Michelle, one more thing we want to cover really quickly here, Uh, mistakes that we make when it comes to staging your house. What would you say the the top thing you see people doing? Um, I would say you're not getting rid of enough clutter. Mm -hmm. You're not having the home again staged in a way that makes the most use of the space and not taking away as much of that personal property as you really should so that that home will appeal to more and more buyers. All the pictures of your children, all the Disney tchotchkes that you love, all of the trophies and everything that you've amassed through the years, yes, you love them, but a potential buyer may not. Thank you tonight uh, to Michelle Sloan, a realtor for Remax Time, owner of that agency as well. You can hear her every Sunday on Sloan Sells Homes on 55KRC at 4 o'clock with the top tips not to make, uh, not mistakes not to make when you are buying your home. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Beckrack, along with Amy Wagner. Paying too much for car insurance? 
He always feels that way, doesn't he? Well, can you really save? We'll tell you how in 10 minutes. You're listening to Simply Money. Many of you may think that you're going to retire, but, you know, there's a surprising number of you who now are going, you know what? No, I'm never going to retire. Maybe they're, they're going to take me out boots first, as the Cowboys used to say. But uh, no, retirement, mm, nah, it's not, it's not me. And I think that that's a great excuse for being unable to, but that seems to be a new trend. Yeah. A 2018 Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies survey found half of about 6,500 workers polled say you didn't expect to retire at 65. 13% never planned to retire. I get it. As you're saying, Nathan, a lot of people were saying, I love my job. I love my job. But really, it's it's kind of a crutch. You don't have enough money. You check that 401k balance. You know it's not enough. And so you say, well, I'll just work forever. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. You may not have yeah. that option. You may not work <laughs> forever. The number of people who plan to retire after the age of 65 has tripled since 1995. So in plain language, more of you than ever before think, oh, yeah, I'm going to work past 65. I'm going to tell you something. If your boss is listening to us at the same time you are as you're driving home, let me tell you what he or she is thinking. Oh, no, you won't. Yeah. Well, and you think about going back, okay, so 25 years to 1995, what's happened since then? Less and less of us have pensions. Mm-hmm. So it, retirement is becoming more and more, more and more on each of us individually. And so it's either you step up and you start saving, you start saving as soon as you can, or plan B is to work longer. We just know that statistics show us, not even statistics, because I think everyone knows someone who that was their plan, and then they got sick or they were shown the door, whatever it is. It doesn't often work out that way. I'll tell you how I know that people are not retiring uh, any sooner than they absolutely have to. It's because millennials are bitching up a storm because the, uh, I don't know a way to put it, the old folks, I guess, I'll clean it up for radio, the old folks. Their older colleagues. Uh-huh, are hanging around for as long as they absolutely positively can because in spite of the great year that the market has had and continues to have for the last 10, 11 years now, there is a general distrust that the amount of money you have saved will and put away in investments will be able to sustain you indefinitely in retirement. And that gets to an issue of planning. And I can tell you, when I was in planning school, we had a phrase, plan or be planned for. If you've got a plan, you'll be doing just fine. If you don't have a plan, you're going to be a victim of someone else's. And here's what someone else's plan has for you. It has you going out of the workforce somewhere in your mid to late 50s. And I will tell you what, don't take our word for it. Sometimes you periodically have Randy freaking on the show, maybe premier plaintiff's lawyer, meaning he represents people, not corporations, and he represents employment issues. And he will tell you, you ask really how many people wind up losing their job in the mid to late 50s, and when he runs into them on the street, they're not exactly going, oh, hey, Randy, that was the greatest thing in the world. Man, I lost my job when I'm 56. I'm making twice as much money as I did now. No, I no. don't think that's how it plays out. I mean, in fact, we've been talking about over the past several months how good the job market is uh, across the country, yet as good as it is, the, the one segment of people struggling to find jobs are those older Americans. If right. you're in your 50s or early 60s and you lost your job and you're trying to find one that maybe has equal pay or uh, you know equal status, you're really struggling. It yeah. is, it's rarity that you're able to find that. And here's the reality. The average American, you're planning on working till at least the age of 65, but you actually have to retire at the age of 62. So I think what the best 
course of action here is to flip the way that you think about this. If you're able to plan for and have enough money at the age of 60 or 62 Mm -hmm. to retire and you're able to work past that and you want to, well, then it's icing on the cake. Wonderful. Then you sleep better at night, not the reverse. Mm -hmm. Planning on being able to work longer and then not having that option, not having enough money. So I had a chance to talk to a pretty unique little group of students, seventh graders at Seven Hills Oh, yeah, how'd that go? Well, i tell you something. I gave them, you know, I talked for 45 minutes. So as you know, I can talk without... So you made one point. I I started out in public radio, so I can talk for uh, 45 minutes without commercial interruption. When I got done... About one thing. Yeah. When I got done on the way out... I, uh, I said to uh, Doug Huff, and uh, uh, yeah, I said, what, what, uh, what did uh, the students like most about what I said? And he sent me a note later. He said, what they liked most was the take this job and shove it speech, which ah. I gave them. Now, they've never heard the song by Johnny Paychecks. Maybe you have. If you haven't, it's certainly a good listen. And I know as a country western fan, uh, Amy will get uh, enjoy revisiting it. But here's what I said to him. I said, put money away. When you get out right now, or when your grandparents or your parents give you a little money for, uh, uh, you know, a birthday or a special occasion, or when you graduate from a grade or whatever, take the money and put it away, and let it grow and compound. Because someday, whether it's you see discrimination in the workforce or your boss says something inappropriate, and you want to tell them you can't say that, but then you go, oh, I need this job. I mean, if I don't have this job, I mean, like, what am I going to? I'll be. I'll be screwed because I got bills and I got kids and I got a wife. All those things that seventh graders, you can't even imagine now. But at some point, the reason I think many people get in trouble in business is because they are unable to stick up for what they believe in because they say, God, I need this job. And if I don't have this job, I am like SOL. And so they're quiet. And this is why many things take place, I believe, because they don't have either the intestinal fortitude matched up with a good, solid investment account. I said, someday you may get to the point where you want to look at the boss and you see somebody being treated unfairly. And it was a very diverse group of kids. I've got to say over there, they got every stripe, color, and speckle you would want. I said, hey, you're going to want to stand up. And when you say something, the boss says, sit down. And you're going to want to go, oh, yeah? Well, take this job and shove it. That, I told him about the rule of 72, how many compounds, stocks, everything else. That was the story that they wanted to hear. One thing of note that all the teachers, what did the teachers like best about what I mm-hmm. said? The girls in the class sat there with their hands on, sat on their hands, and the guys, the boys, several in particular, were answering all the questions. And I finally had to stop and say, girls, ladies, if you don't participate in this conversation, you're going to be in deep yogurt, and you're going to be dependent on the other knuckleheads in this room called guys, and then you're really going to have a problem and the teachers, that's what they love the most. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be taken away, but one of them is like that power of compounding. I yep. remember the eye-opening day, you taught Grace about that, and she said, don't tell my brother about it. Yeah, because so I want to get be, ahead of him. I want to be the nice only touch, one Grace. who knows. But he, the secret's out, and it's that, that magical power is available to all of us. The key is to invest, invest early, and to take invest retirement often. into your own hands so that you're not relying on your boss, who maybe you just can't even stand the look on their face anymore uh, to keep letting you come in Monday after Monday after Monday. Well, here's the simple money point. Save well because only you can depend on yourself for a long retirement. Uh, are you getting all the car insurance discounts that you're eligible for? We'll talk about that just ahead. In three minutes, you're listening to Simply Money.
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Backrack along with Amy Wagner. One of your most significant expenses as you drive home this evening. Well, it's your drive home this evening, but more particularly, it's the insurance on the car that you're driving home with this evening. So how can you save? Well, I think too often we also have like a set it and forget it. Like we've had this car insurance forever and so we're just going to stick with it. So let's back away and say before you even buy the car, do a little research on how much the insurance on said car will actually cost that you. May tell you yeah, that may tell you something. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. I may tell you something about the service record on those cars or just how they, you know, you never know how a car is, how well a car is or isn't put together until somebody else has to take it apart and put it back together after you've had a fender bender. Yeah. So, I mean, understand that premiums are based on a number of things, but how much you're paying for that car, how much it costs to repair it, the overall safety record of that car. And the likelihood that that car could get stolen at some point. Right. All yep. of those things coming in together. So that would be under the general heading of uh, do your research first. But come on, Amy. It's, it's an impulsive eye. You see a hot car. You like it. You go, oh, yeah, this is it. You get it. And now you find out that the insurance is more than you thought. So give me a, give me something that's going to save me money tonight after I've made mistake number one so I don't make mistake number two. Well, I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to so, say, first of all, right. raise your deductible. Um, because a higher deductible can significantly lower how much you're paying on that premium, but with a caveat, you got to have yeah. you have to have an emergency fund. You have to have enough money that you can easily. So if you get... raise it from five hundred to a thousand, you better put five hundred extra dollars away. Is that what you're saying? You have to have at least a thousand dollars that you can easily get your hands on in case something happens. Yeah. By the way, uh, average in the average human being, not my wife, who's way above average, but the average human being will have a car accident of some sort once every seven years. So if you've been more than seven years without one, well, you're living on borrowed time. Yes, and so it's not a matter of, you know, this will never happen to me. No, yeah. no, it's more of when, when is this going to happen to you? And another thing is uh, that set it and forget it mentality. It's really easy to buy insurance and then just stay with the same company for years and years and years. But different companies actually weigh different factors. So maybe the fact that Marcy's had a, a couple of minor fender benders might weigh more heavily with someone else than the fact that the year of her car or where she lives. Well, or- here's, the, here's the most ironic you want to talk about real life example. Okay. The guy owns more hot cars than anybody I know. This would be uh, co-founder of Simply Money, Ed, Ed Fink. Fink. Okay. He was just tell- raving to me recently about a car that he's considering that's got 455 horsepower. The guy has not had a ticket as an adult. He's not had a speeding ticket as an Maybe adult. Maybe because he goes Are so you fast, kidding me? police don't even see him. Come on. That's not right. I mean, I'm... <laughs> He yeah. also has a very, very short commute uh, when he did work. Oh, so, so he's lowered he, the odds. I think so. Something along those lines. But, I mean, different companies weigh different things more heavily. So you may be with a company for a long time who isn't weighing something that's really good on your driving record as heavily as someone else. Shop around every year or two and see where you can get the best rates. It may not be with the company that you're with. And then you've got optional insurance maybe if you've got an older car. So if it's worse less than here's the here's the formula less than ten times the insurance premium, maybe having collision or comprehensive coverage so, may not be the best idea. If your bill, if your insurance bill was going to be five hundred bucks, I know that seems too cheap, and you're saying if it's the car is worth less than five thousand dollars because five hundred times ten, mm-hmm. don't bother with the collision. Yes, and then right? that good credit history, you know, used to be you could look at credit history and say, okay, that credit score is going to impact my mortgage. It, it is considered for so many things now. When you go in for a job, your employer can look at your credit score. And certainly, car insurance is now one of those factors. So if you can incru- increase your credit score, you're going to probably decrease look, how much you're paying, paying for Paying attention insurance. is a big deal. you know. And so if you're not paying attention to your bills, 
Who knows if when you're driving, you're paying attention to little things such as, oh, the car in front of you stopped very suddenly and maybe, oh, be a good idea if you do as well. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC. We are the talk station. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.